This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Nugent Hopkins breaks through for the Edmonton Oilers, his first of the postseason, helping Edmonton to a decisive 4-1 win in Game 4, nodding their series up with the Vegas Golden Knights at two apiece, and sending the series to a best of three that begins on Friday in Vegas. Well, the other Canadian team in actually Toronto Maple Leafs do just enough to survive for at least one more night against the Florida Panthers. But is anyone really convinced that they've changed the narrative about this series? I'm not sure we're going that far just yet. So welcome to the program. This is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. With my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor on this Thursday. A ton to get to on the program. We will start, of course, with the Oilers and the Golden Knights from uh, last night in Edmonton. But we have a pair of Calgary teams with playoff games today as well. The Calgary Wranglers begin their round three series, the Pacific Division final against the Coachella Valley Firebirds tonight. At the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, we'll check in with the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Sandra Persina, a little bit later on this hour to get you all set for that matchup today and tomorrow, games one and two at the Dome. Another best of five series for Mitch Love's crew. And the Calgary Roughnecks kick off their second round series of the NLL playoffs, a best of three against the Colorado Mammoth. They're in Colorado for a seven o'clock faceoff tonight. In game number one, so we'll keep your day with everything Roughnecks. Thursdays also mean to chat with our pal Adnan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. So lots to get to, uh, including your texts and comments on the uh, fan feedback line, 960-960. It's always open to you here on Sportsnet today, and I imagine this next topic will have the text line buzzing because it's got very little to do with the game. The Oilers did tie things up in their series with the Golden Knights yesterday. 4-1, pretty dominant fashion. A strong first period from the Edmonton Oilers, which sees Nick Bukestad, Evan Bouchard, and Matthias Ekholm all find the back of the net. That goal you heard coming in uh, called by our own Hunter Ryan Singh. Uh, Sportsnet, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, his first of the playoffs made it 4-0 midway through the second period and the game as far as who was going to win was pretty much decided then and there the golden knights just didn't have what they had in game three well the oilers 
only got the one power play goal. The Golden Knights didn't help themselves on the special teams battle. Their power play looked anemic last night. But no one's talking about any of that because of what happened in the last few minutes of the game. And it all started with former Blues captain and now Vegas Golden Knights assistant captain Alex Petrangelo taking some liberties with Oilers star Leon Dreisaitl. On the clock, but here it is here. Now it's late. This is gone, 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 and he comes down aggressively. I mean, that's a hard slash up into the high area arms of Dreisaitl. Really undisciplined for Alex Petrangelo, who usually is composed, but he's just had enough. And I mean, that was... That definitely comes down. They called it a major. They're going to review it. I don't see them taking that back from not being a major. In the You've seen it by now. Alex Petrangelo coming down hard with a two-hand slash to the arm-wrist area of Leon Dreisaitl. Five-minute major and a game misconduct as Dreisaitl attempts to put one into the empty net. It's a play that is not pretty to watch. Petrangelo clearly frustrated with the game, with how he's been handled in this series by Edmonton and by the likes of Dreisaitl and others. He's not even defending. He's not even the defender on the play for Dreisaitl, but decides to skate over by about the faceoff dot. He's got his stick in position and he slams his stick down on Leon Dreisaitl. He does have a meeting with the player to, uh, Department of Player Safety this afternoon. And we will see what exactly the uh, player safety has to say about it. It's a dangerous play. It certainly looks like there's some intent to injure there. As you heard at the end of that clip, Louis DeBrusque on the call last night. Connor McDavid took some exception to that. Play from Petrangelo got in his face. and. Look, I would love to tell you, there should be a black and white call that Alex Petrangelo's not playing in Game 5. But we've played this game too many times with the Department of Player Safety. And I, like I said, I should be able to guarantee you that that's a suspension-worthy play. I know that much. But do I know that it's going to be enforced by the NHL? I don't. That's, that's a sad thing to say that that's the point that we're at with this. Uh, with this league and how they handle plays like this. Because look, whether or not you're a Flames fan living in Calgary, listening to this, watching the Oilers, it's a it's a dirty play. It's an unnecessary play. It has nothing to do with how it's happening on the ice. It's a frustrated Alex Petrangelo who wants to get a piece of Leon Dreisaitl because the Oilers have taken shots and they've been intentionally physical with him. They've been intentionally physical with Mark Stone. It's how things go at this time of year, and clearly Petrangelo wants to to get his piece back on, on Dreisaitl. Should it be a suspension? Yes. Will it be? I have absolutely no idea. Not the slightest clue if it will be or not. But that was only one piece of what happened last night because the slash happens, and then two guys who have been nose-to-nose all series long finally find themselves together late in the game and the gloves finally drop between Darnell Nurse and Nick Hag. Here we go. Gloves are off. Nurse and Hag. 
finally found each other. And Hank's getting the right hands going early. Now Nurse is coming back with his right hands. And Hank's got the reach advantage here. He's got the size. Darnell Nurse has never been afraid to go up against guys a lot bigger than him. And he caught him with a couple of rights after Hank went with rights and loading up now looking for that big shot. You just kind of figured this was eventually going to happen as they continue to go at it. And now Nurse getting some right hands in late. And they're letting them go. Get it out of your system. Well, it's boiled over here. Pretty good scrap. We got to say both guys stood in there pretty well. Yes, uh, Louis DeBrusque, man, uh, pretty adept at that part of the game during his career as well. Good scrap, Hank and Nurse. Finally deciding, yep, yeah, you know what? Had enough talking with each other. Let's uh, let's do the damn thing. And they finally did it. And it was uh, as good a scrap as we've seen this NHL postseason. Uh, the problem for Oilers fans, Darnell Nurse receives an instigator penalty for that. Comes with a game misconduct and an automatic one-game suspension from the NHL. It will be reviewed. And the NHL can withdraw that instigator penalty. But now, the Oilers, who would probably be walking into Game 5, feeling pretty good about themselves heading into Vegas, knowing that, hey, there's a chance Alex Petrangelo might not go, now have to deal with the realization that there's a good chance that Darnell Nurse, their own important defender, uh, might not be there for it as well. The problem I have, with I have no problem with them giving an instigator when it's necessary. The problem is I just don't understand the standard of the instigator penalty in the NHL. If you want to have an instigator rule, I'm totally fine with that. But the, the instigator rule never seems to come into play during the regular season when you would expect it to. And now when it's one of the more important times, and Nick Haig wanted that fight as much as anybody. The refs are well aware these two guys have been at each other all series long and really haven't found a time because, let's be honest, there's been a couple blowouts in this series. 4-1, 5-1, even last night, I didn't think it was necessarily a spot where Nurse felt like he had to fight. But they, they finally met together. They finally went at it. All right, let's go. That, that penalty hasn't been called all regular season. And now you're potentially costing a guy uh, a very key game for him in this series. And look, I'm, I understand it's Calgary Radio. I don't think anyone's here who's going to feel sad for the Oilers or feel bad for it. But these are two topics that come up a lot at this time of the year. And it's the inconsistency of player safety, not knowing whether Alex Petrangelo is going to be suspended or not, and the timing of an insecure penalty that comes with this suspension during a very important stretch for the Edmonton Oilers where they're going to want to have Darnell Nurse in their lineup for game five. Again, I have no problem with the instigator penalty, but they, the refs never call this on a consistent basis during the year when there are way more clear identities of or instances of instigating by players. That call never gets made. Now, all of a sudden, we're in game four of a series that's about to be tied at two, and now we're pulling that out of our pocket? Give me a break. 
this is when you decide you're going to get hard on the rules and hard on the instigator side of things. You can't do that. Again, Nick Hague wanted it as much as anybody. It was a great bout. Not like it was just out of nowhere Nurse was egging him on. Been at each other the whole series. So we wait and see what's going to happen. There's a very good chance we walk into game five on Friday. No Nurse for Edmonton. No Petrangelo for Vegas. But by the same coin, could we see both of them in game five? Absolutely, I think we could. Uh, Going back to the slash, Connor McDavid, captain, obviously, the Edmonton Oilers. He was uh, not happy with the play on his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, with some uh, pointed words towards the uh, Vegas assistant captain, Alex Petrangelo, uh, post-game when asked about his thoughts on the incident, uh, the slash from Alex Petrangelo to Leon Dreisaitl. What would you make of what happened at the end with Petrangelo and Leon? Well, he'd like to see it reviewed for sure. I would like to see it suspended. I mean, it's as intent to injure as you can get. You know, time score clock, all play a factor. He comes from over his own head and, you know, places it just kind of under Liam's chin. Um, you'd like to see something like that suspended. It's not a hockey play. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not in our hands. And um, as close as he came to dropping the luck scan, the cool. Uh, yeah, you know, but bigger fish to fry here, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we don't love it. We respond there and, you know, it's so, like I said, we got bigger fish to fry than, than, than to worry about something like that. That, uh, Connor McDavid, obviously captain of the Edmonton Oilers last night, his thoughts on the slash from Alex Petrangelo, uh, Taylor from Outstanding Producers. Does Petrangelo get suspended for that in your mind? I feel like it's a little hard to tell just because of what we've seen from the Department of Player Safety this off, like postseason. But the play itself is is worthy of a suspension, right? Yeah. And I think that that's where everybody's at. Is I think, without a doubt, I look at that and I go, it's, you know, and agreeing with Connor, it's not a hockey play. It's not necessary. No, there's no point of it that's necessary. I get you're frustrated. I understand. They've played Petrangelo very hard this series. You're down in the game. Really nothing's gone your way in. But he, he clearly goes out of his way to to make a point and go after Leon. It's it's what a it's worthy of a suspension. It just is, but you're right. To guess what the Department of Player Safety is gonna do. I, I really have no idea. And again, it's nothing to do with the Oilers or the Golden Knights or whatever beating Calgary. I just don't know what the answer is because that department is so inconsistent with what they deem as suspension and what they don't that even the most obvious and blatant of plays at this time of the year were left here guessing. Uh, some of your texts at 960-960, the fan feedback line, always open to you here during Sportsnet today. Uh, some thoughts on what we saw last night at the end of that Oilers-Golden Knights game. Uh, our pal Matt and Cochran texting in, I imagine Petrangelo and Nurse both get a one-game suspension. Why is Woodcroft sending Dreisaitl and McDavid out there in that situation? The game is over. That's an interesting point that I know uh, our pal Matty Rose brought up in the morning. 
perhaps with Frank Cervalli during that chat about you, you probably got nine other guys you can throw over the boards. Would it would it hurt to get Born Fogel another shift or you know, could Derek Ryan take a couple minutes out late in the game? Yeah, probably. I don't think Leon necessarily needs to pad the old empty net goal stats. He's already got 50 in the postseason or whatever it is. I, I get it. But at the same time, <laughs> that was still the most... Un- I, you just If you're Jay Woodcroft, you're not assuming that anybody, let alone Alex Petrangelo, is going to come and, and like Jose Bautista, your player in the arm. So... Uh, this text says, I'm not saying Petrangelo doesn't deserve a suspension, but no suspension on Kane should mean no suspension on Petrangelo. Uh, this text says, as much as I hate giving Edmonton an easier path, if they don't suspend that, it sends a terrible message. I mean, Hartman did something similar to Raz and got a double minor and a 5k fine. So who knows? 100% that uh, Hartman one's been brought up more than once on social media over the last... 24 hours since that uh, play happened last night in Edmonton, and that that didn't garner anything more than 5K from the league, so why would this? Um, this says... Oh, I'm going to lose it here as everything's popping up and we get a bunch of uh, text coming in. Uh, this thing says, I've said it uh, many times before, NHL officiating is the absolute worst in pro sports, period. The two-man system has watered down the quality of officials. With use of video replay and challenge. There's no need for two referees. As for the slash, again, a blown call. It's a match penalty for attempt to injure, which comes with an automatic suspension. Then you throw the uh, comedy act that is player safety, and the on and the show uh, goes on. Uh, Todd, uh, you're missing the point about starting a fight with less than a minute left. That was called all season. Yeah, but sometimes it wasn't Todd. And the last, I understand by the rule, the, the point of the rule book, that's what it is. But I can tell you for sure. I've seen fights in the last minute of the season that didn't get the instigator. I, I, I can absolutely tell you that that's happened this season. And should it be a consistent rule? Yeah. Because by the definition of the rule book, that's the penalty. And that's the call that comes with it. But I can tell you, I know for a fact during the regular season, it didn't happen as consistently as that. And that's still, again, I don't think Leon insti- or excuse me, Darnell instigated that thing. Don't tell me Nick Hag didn't want a part of that. Uh, this one says... Um, da, 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 da. Couple of these saying, doesn't Drysaddle uh, try those types of slashes out every game? Uh, he's pretty handy with a stick as well. Yeah, I mean, look, if we want to call every single infraction that we see, then for sure we could have a, a larger conversation. But for Petrangelo to get this stick up as high as he did, two hands on it like that, there's just no. I'm sorry. I know it's the. I get it's the Oilers, and uh, you know no one's gonna feel sorry for them on this end of the radio. I get it, but you you just you can't. There's no way you can bring your stick up that high, two hands on the stick. You're not even defending Leon on the play, 
and, and get away with that. That's just not going to happen. The ticky-tacky stuff that happens during every game, yeah, I, I understand why that might be frustrating that you can see that some of that doesn't always go for your team or whoever you're watching, but that one was as obvious as, as it possibly could be. Uh, this one says, suspendable slash for sure, but the dive and leg on the ice afterwards certainly doesn't help his case. Uh, Troy texting says, why wasn't Kane suspended for cross-checking Petrangelo in the head? Dealt W suspension for this slash. Then again, the player of Department of Safety is spinning the wheel of justice on it right now. I couldn't agree more. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's it's a total guessing game, and that's that's a brutal thing to talk about at this time of year. Because, again, it it matters a lot. It's a big thing, what happens here, and it could have a big impact on this series. But the Oilers don't know. The Golden Knights don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with this. <laughs> this one says, I don't know who you're punishing by suspending Nurse. The Oilers might be better without him. Uh, Shots fired. That's a... It's a good text. 9.25 million? It's a good fight, though. Just want to be clear about that. It was a good fight. A um, $9 million fight. It was a good fight, though. He, he, it was he very good. Starfish on the ice. Fair. Uh, yeah, so that's the situation. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, expecting some point this afternoon. Clarity from the league. Uh, the game again is coming up on Friday for game five in Vegas. So we'll need a decision sooner than later. Is it a suspension? Is it a fine? Is it none of the above? Your guess is as good as ours. Um, when it comes to the department of player safety, we will keep you up to date when that news drops, no doubt, uh, sometime later this afternoon. Uh, also Leafs big win last night. They stave off, uh, elimination and, uh, they had a little bit of fun themselves with the Florida Panthers once the buzzer went. Nice little scrap, a uh, little motion by the Toronto Maple Leafs after the uh, big win. They uh, stave off elimination, force one more game at home in Toronto. 2-1 your final. Joseph Wall, your second star, makes 24 saves in his first postseason start. Good for the young man uh, to come in there in a pressure pack situation and uh, help the Leafs uh, survive for another night. Has it changed my opinion or changed many's opinion about how this series is going to go? I-, I don't think so. I-, I think they had to pull out a win uh, and-, and show a lot after being down 3-0 in this series. Do I see this team suddenly pushing back for, for three in a row here? I don't. Crazier things have happened, but uh, as of now, we'll talk about uh, Game 5 for for those two teams coming up on Friday as well. And of course, on your schedule tonight, uh, another potential elimination game. The Hurricanes could put away the Devils. They lead that series three games to one. It's a 5 o'clock start from Carolina. And your uh, late game tonight, Kraken and Stars. We will get uh, one team on the brink of elimination following this game as Seattle and Dallas are tied at two. Game five in Dallas tonight with a 7.30 puck drop. You can catch both of those games uh, on Sportsnet for your viewing pleasure. Just a quick update. Um, yes. 
Petrangelo is having a hearing for that slashing call. Yes, we did get that in there. Yeah. So he's... Okay, well, I'm not paying attention, so. No, it's fine. I get it. I wouldn't pay attention either. No, definitely. He is having a hearing. Um, what comes of that? It can be suspension. It can be a, a fine. We don't. It could be nothing. Really, it could just be a, uh, please don't do that again. Player safety, man. A little slap on the wrist, if you will. Yeah, uh, probably less serious than the, the slap on the wrist that Petrangelo gave, but really, who knows? Uh, it's just a massive guessing game with them, uh, as it usually is. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep you up to date when uh, we find out the results of that hearing. But uh, as of right now, just uh, set to meet with them sometime this afternoon. Game five, of course, coming up on Friday. Uh, I mentioned those two games on TV tonight, Dallas, uh, Seattle, New Jersey, and Carolina. Uh, won't be on your radios because we got Wranglers and Firebirds. Game one of the Pacific Division final is coming up tonight from Calgary. Uh, looking forward to getting this series underway, and we'll uh, dive into all things Wranglers and Coachella Valley Firebirds on the other side as the uh, voice of the Calgary Wranglers here on Sportsnet 960. Sandra Persina joins us around the corner. Hour one rolls on Sportsnet today, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hour one rolling on here on Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. And tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome, first of three straight nights at the Dome with playoff action. Tonight, game one of the Calgary Wranglers and the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Friday night, game two, Coachella Valley, Calgary. And then Saturday, your Calgary Roughnecks are back in town as they continue their series against the Colorado Mammoth that kicks off tonight from Colorado. It is uh, round three of the AHO's Calder Cup playoffs and uh, game one of the Pacific Division Final. And whenever we chat Calgary Wranglers, there's only one person we love to do that with. You know her, you love her. She's one of the favorites here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and she is the voice of the Calgary Wranglers. She's Sandra Persina. Sandra, thank you for doing this as always. How are you? I'm doing really well, Logan. I paid you a good 20 bucks for yes, that introduction. absolutely. I'm always uh, <laughs> agreeable to that sort of intro if you uh, pay the right amount and uh, you always know what it costs. So, uh, no, but how are you? Good to see you again. Yeah, you as well. Doing well. Excited. How are things with you? Good. Yes, and very excited for this one. Uh, getting past the Abbotsford Canucks in uh, that opening series for the Calgary Wranglers and now a different opponent against Coachella Valley. But uh, let's go back to that series and finishing things off against the Canucks. We talked to you. Uh, I had a game three, I want to say, before things headed back to Abbotsford. It was, it was actually, I was already in Abbotsford, yes. so I had a game four. I had a game yeah. four and talked about, you know, wanting to close out the series. Seen a lot of Abbotsford lately. Yeah. Had some good success at home and they were able to get it done. And now they've had a couple of days off and set to get ready for another series. Yeah, I think that was a good reset just to get some time off after that Abbotsford series, which maybe was a little bit too close for comfort for the Calgary Wranglers, although maybe to be expected as well because you get that first round bye and then you have a team like the Canucks who played really well toward the end of the regular season 
were able to easily dispatch Bakersfield in that best of three to start the Calder Cup playoffs. And they already had that momentum, that game pace. They were ready to go where I thought the Calgary Wranglers took them. It took them a little bit of a while to just work their way into that series. But at the end of it, I think Calgary's better off for it because Abbotsford pushed Calgary really, really hard. Essentially, and I'm not going to say to the brink because they didn't go to five games, but if you look at those four games in their entirety, they're all one-goal victories for whoever it may have been, three obviously for Calgary at the end of it. But that was actually, I think, really good for the Wranglers going into this series, which I think at some point we had all pinpointed this, Mm -hmm. and it's a shame that it has to happen in the third round. You would love for this to be the Calder Cup final. Yeah, it really could be, and it's always interesting going through the differences, and I think a lot of people in Calgary now are picking up on you know, how the AHL works through yeah. things and everything. Because you pay attention, you know, when it's in Stockton or when they were in Abbotsford, but now you're really getting down to the details of it. And, hey, okay, we're in another best of five, and it's another Pacific Division opponent. And, you know, that's an interesting thing, too, is to see teams that you've seen a lot of, right? It's a lot. It's not a lot of new ground for either of these teams. It wasn't certainly against Abbotsford, and it won't be against Coachella Valley, probably even more so against Coachella Valley, eight meetings this year yep. between the two teams. and. Wouldn't you know it's split 4-4, Sandra? And it's fascinating because it's a tale of two halves of seasons because you go back to the start of the season for Calgary, bringing in Coachella for those first two ever games. And I don't think Mitch Love would get mad at me if he heard me say that those first two games were awful. It just was not indicative of what the Wranglers' season would transpire to be. But I don't think it was very good out of the gate. And it was like a men versus boys, those first two games. Coachella just came in here and and plowed their way through this team. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, is this how this season is going to go? And then here we are 72 games later after the regular season and Calgary finishes first in the overall standings. Coachella finishes second, just a few points separating these two teams. I I just think there are so many incredible storylines with this third round series. The fact that these are inaugural seasons. I realize it's not inaugural in a sense for the Wranglers that they've been part of the American Hockey League with the Calgary organization before, but having a team in our city for an American mm-hmm. League team, and then obviously the first team for the Seattle Kraken. The Kraken start the season basically out on the road until their building gets finished in December. Their home games were played in Seattle, so they didn't get comfortable until about the middle of the season, and it's it's just the way I think it was meant to be this this year, to have these two teams duking it out at this point of the season. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that season series and you go through it and there's no blowouts on there. There's a couple of two-goal games, but other than that, it's one goal or two goals at the max. These two teams play each other extremely tight throughout the entire season. And I think Mitch Love said it yesterday and I really liked it. It was, you know, it's time to the reset word comes up again, Mm -hmm. right? And realizing this isn't Abbotsford. This is a completely different team. This is a team that finished much higher in the standings. Then Abbotsford did. We can't sit here and assume what we did well against Abbotsford is going to work well against Coachella Valley. It's a different opponent. It's a different beast and almost entirely than what they saw in their first playoff series. If you look at Coachella, they've got a real core of this team in the 25, 26-year-old mark. So they've got some 
strong AHL players who I think we can maybe call tweeners at this point. They haven't been able to make the jump, but somebody like a Cole Lind looks spectacular. Alexander True has always played really well versus Calgary. Luckily for Calgary right now, Ty Karche up, obviously, with the Seattle Kraken. He was excellent anytime Coachella played here at the Saddle Dome. And I just think when you're facing a team that's so well coached, and that's certainly no disrespect to Jeremy Colton and what he's been able to do in Abbotsford, but somebody with a winning pedigree like Dan Bilesma, and he comes in with a first-year team and is able to have this kind of success, especially starting out essentially half of the season almost out on the road and being able to just establish a benchmark that we're a really good team and having it being consistent all the way to game 72 is a lot to be said for that organization, how it conducts himself, the amount of talent on that team, a couple of goalies who have been able to make the jump to the NHL can't stay, but have been really good between the pipes. So this is a good test, but then for the Wranglers, Matthew Phillips has been able to put up double-digit points versus Coachella. So Calgary's been able to impress in terms of you always want your best players to be your best players when it counts. And we always talk about those unsung heroes in the playoffs. But when you have a series versus a team like Coachella, okay, now it's time for Calgary's first and second line to issue its dominance. Yeah, it's a really interesting matchup, and I, I like that point you brought up. I mean, not many AHL teams are running around with Stanley Cup NHL head coaches at the AHL level. And I think it talks about the importance that Seattle's put on developing their players and developing a good AHL system. And that's something that we've seen, you know, Calgary do the last couple mm-hmm. of years too, right? There was a long stretch for anybody who's been in this city, and you know this as well uh, as anybody, Sandra, where the end of the AHL season came and went. Wasn't talk of playoffs. There were the Black Aces that came up and, you know, sort of joined the Flames for the last of their season, maybe into the playoffs for a bit. But there was never that consistent winning. And now you start to see it with Mitch Love in this group, how that winning has led to some of these young guys coming up and having good NHL experience. It's such an important emphasis that teams are putting on it now. And I love that. You know, Mitch Love's name is in the conversation. We talk about the Calgary Flames head coaching. And I think when you talk about that as a matchup between Bilesma and Love and how they're going to handle their teams this series, I think that's an incredibly important one because I think those are two great head coaches that are going to go into this with two really good teams. And I think I would also credit both of the front offices because for Seattle, you're building a team with very few draft like acumen you don't have the prospects because you haven't been to that many nhl drafts so you have to build with free agents around the american hockey league potentially across the pond Uh, seattle has been able to really hone in on talent within north america so a lot of their roster is not european based they do have some of their own draft picks but again still a very young organization And then you talked about Stockton. We have to credit Brad Pascal because some of the players did leave last summer. So you're losing a Justin Kirkland who scored a number of clutch goals last year in the Calder Cup playoffs. You're losing your captain. He ended up going to Vegas's program. So how do you restock? Exactly. So how do you restock that cabinet? Well, you bring in Brett Sutter. Nick D. Simone, you bring in some of these 
players who do have professional experience and plenty of it, obviously, with the captain over a thousand AHL games and build this group. Someone like Oscar Dansk, who hasn't been in a lot of games, obviously, with Dustin Wolf taking the load, but he's created this really nice partnership. And you talk to Dustin, you cannot not talk to Dustin and hear about Oscar. They're they're a duo and mm-hmm. they've, they've created a great bond, which is leading to Dustin to be the player that he is today and ready to take the jump. So we really have to credit the Wranglers front office. I think Brad Pascal has done a great job with this group and allowed them to grow because I think for maybe anybody that went to those first few games back in October and they're wondering, oh, this is going to be a tough season. Well, Lo and behold, in November, I don't think there were any regulation losses in the month of November. The team just essentially grew itself, and that has a lot to do with the team, the character, and the coaching, and the front office. One guy I wanted to throw in there and get your thoughts on, he spoke to uh, Pat and Wes on uh, Flames Talk yesterday, and it's Kevin Rooney. Mm -hmm. And what an interesting spot that's been because He's not in the same vein as those guys that we just talked about in the sense that he wasn't brought in like Brett was to be a part of the AHL team. He was signed to be a member of the Calgary Flames. It didn't work out to start. He was sent down to the American Hockey League and in turn was never brought back up to the NHL team. But since then, not a word of complaint, Mm -hmm. not a, a frown on his face, not a bad day because I'm in the American Hockey League and I feel I should be up with the Calgary Flames, but a guy that bought into what Mitch Love was doing, bought into being a leader, I think a lot like Brett Sutter, and seeing that, hey, I've got some value that I can you know, bestow upon some of the younger guys around here. And all of a sudden now, I wonder what this Wrangler season looks like if Kevin Rooney's not a part of it. He's just been, he's, And he hasn't been the biggest score or anything like that, Sandra, but he's just been a very important piece to the puzzle in an unexpected way, right? Yeah, and great interview, by the way. I actually listened to it this morning. He's such, he's, oh, uh, wow. The way he handles himself is just yeah. really incredible and really admirable. He's a true professional yeah. in every sense of the word, and that third line, it's been unflappable. Essentially, it's Brett Sutter, Clark Bishop, Kevin Rooney, and they're always, I'm not going to say always, but nine times out of ten, they are your starting guys. And... They lead by example. I know that's a super cliche, but they do things the right way. And for Kevin, I think back to December and when he was sent down, didn't know much about him because he had just signed that contract. He came from an Eastern team. You heard his name, and I'm sure we talked about during this summer and sort of trying to dive in and figure out what kind of a player he is at the NHL level. At the AHL level, he's been wonderful for all of the reasons you mentioned, but I think back to December, December 21st, And that's where Brett Sutter celebrated his 1,000th AHL game. It was one of those storybook nights, actually, of this season. When you look back on it, Calgary wins versus Sutter's old team. Sutter scores the game-winning goal, which I believe was shorthanded. Kevin scored a shorthanded goal, and then he spoke after the game, and he said about Brett, and they're just brand-new teammates, Mm -hmm. and he said, I feel like I've played with this guy for my entire life. And that just told me everything I needed to know about Kevin Rooney in that one sentence because he embraced what his role was going to be, and he knew that he would be lined up with somebody like Brett Sutter, who's the elder statesman at a whopping 36 years (laughs) old, or I think he's turning 37 this year. I, I apologize if I got that number wrong, but... They've created something that allows this group to grow. And a lot of rookies on this team, particularly on the back end, but they provide that responsibility on that third line, allowing the blue liners to do what they need to do 
to get in a comfortable area. Look at someone like Ilya Solovyov, who doesn't have a lot of professional games under his belt, but he's playing on the top pairing right now with Nick Simone because he's been given the opportunity to grow thanks to the veterans in this group. Jan Kuznetsov, Jeremy Poirier. That's all because of the leadership of somebody like Kevin Rooney and those around him, and I'm so impressed with what he's been able to do. Sandra Prasina is along with us. She's the voice of the Calgary Wranglers. You can hear her tonight and tomorrow for games one and two at the Scotiabank Saddledome as the uh, Calgary Wranglers take on the Coachella Valley Firebirds in their uh, Pacific Division final, another best of five coming up for the Wranglers. Uh, so we mentioned a couple of guys here, Sandra, but I want to go back to the, the first four games against Abbotsford and ask you who stood out to you in a really positive way as the playoffs started here in Calgary. Who when I, I say was the, the bright light in that series against Abbotsford, who are some of the names that come to mind? The first player I'd mention is Nick Simone. Hard to ignore that one. It's just he put up five points, and it's not just about the points. He plays hard minutes. He plays a lot of minutes, and he plays hard minutes. He's an excellent two-way blue liner, and I wasn't too sure what he was going to be when the organization brought him in. And towards the end of the season, you just excuse me saw exactly what he is, and that is a two-way blue liner who, on top of that, can not only play power play, penalty kill, but he's been this carrier of Ilya Solovyov. I'm so impressed with what he's been able to do with him and allow him to become a top-pairing blue liner in just what I believe is his second season, full season, now in the American Hockey League. So he's good at both ends of the ice. Dustin Wolf goes without saying. I think we would be remiss not to mention him because I think when things got a little bit dicey in that fourth game, Calgary scrambling in its own end, he was able to calm his group down, just cover the puck, smother it, wait for a face-off, and allow a reset with the group. And I think, actually, Cole Schwint, after coming in, he was a healthy scratch to start that series, but worked his way up the lineup. He's a very responsible two-way player, takes draws, but now he's getting power play time, and he scores one of the goals in that game number four. So I think with more responsibility, he's been able to take it on his shoulders and drive that two-way game home. And I really like the depth that he's brought to this group. I know... He's sometimes an oversight, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about that trade and you talk about Jonathan Huberto (laughs) and you talk about Mackenzie Weger, but there was another piece of that trade and that's Cole Schwint. And I think that he really can't be ignored. Yeah, 100%. I think in everything was, he's kind of been everything that he was labeled as, right? He's very little pro experience coming into the Florida system, had a bit of time there, but everybody said, look, this is a very responsible two-way guy. He Mm -hmm. gets it. I think he's been every part of that in Calgary for sure and just really continues to be that. And it's, you know, it's interesting because you're right. He's one of those guys that wasn't in the Calgary system. So obviously you talk about Zary and you talk about Pelchain, you talk about all these guys, but you're right. I think he is a big part of it and is only going to continue to be a big part of it as this goes on for Calgary. And if you remember when he got back into the lineup, he was on the fourth line, but Mitch Love, he, he emphasizes hard work at his practices I mean, he's one of those coaches who does reward when you give 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw from Cole Schwint when he was a healthy scratch, went into practice on that weekend, and he was it was more of a, an optional. Yeah. And he was out there just doing everything he needed to do to get back into the lineup. So he's really impressed me. Started that fourth game on the second line, doing a little bit of a switcheroo there with Connor Zary. And we'll see how that develops here in this third-round series. But I really like what he's brought to this group, and... 
I know Mitch Love talks about it, but the playoffs bring out the unlikeliest heroes sometimes. Somebody like him, Adam Klapka, who's playing his first year in North America, and you wonder, you see him just hoofing down the ice, six foot seven, sometimes six foot eight, wherever <laughs> you look at statistics online. But you've got somebody like a Cole Schwint, like an Adam Klapka. They're ready for this stage, and they've really made the most of their minutes, I think. Uh, two more before I let you go. And one thing that stood out for a lot of people, and myself included, in that series against Abbotsford was uh, the level of dislike between the two teams. I'll call it that. Uh, they weren't exactly fans of each other. You could tell going back to the regular season that this was uh, two groups that were kind of sick of seeing each other, it felt like at this <laughs> point. It's like, man, it's it's you again, right? And it kind of felt like that at times. They were really at the peak of of that playoff mentality of right of, of physicality with each other. You expect that against Coachella Valley? Was that something that we saw during the regular season between these two teams, or was it hmm. less so than what it was with Abbotsford? That's a really good question. I don't think the animosity is as quite at that peak period. I, I remember seeing when Tristan Nielsen, longtime member of the Calgary Hitmen, by yes. the way, starting to shush the Calgary crowd when he <laughs> scored the go-ahead goal in the second period. And, well, he happened to be in the penalty box when the tying goal was scored. So not saying I believe in karma, but... Uh, and then Jet Wu, of course, another member of yep. the Calgary Hitmen. So there were tons of these connections. Justin Dowling had once suited up for the Abbotsford Heat, born in Calgary. Like, there were this intermingling of these two clubs, and you throw in Pacific Division rival, Canadian rivalry. We don't have a lot of those in nope. the American Hockey League, right? So... I think that series was a battle in itself. This will be different. I think this will be different. Although I remember when Coachella was here last time, uh, Cole Lind, who's from Saskatchewan, he has a lot of family, I guess, here in Calgary. So there will be a contingent of Coachella fans and family and friends within the Saddle Dome confines tonight. I don't doubt that. But I just think this will be, I think, a little bit more emphasis on skill versus physicality because if you think back and poor Matthew Phillips holy cow <laughs> did that guy take a bruising in that second round series and you know what dusted himself off every single time and got back up on his skates but I don't think we're going to see a duplication of what we did in round two and round three this will be I think tight checking but maybe a little bit more free flowing because there's a lot of offensive skill on both of these sides yeah, and it's funny the connections somewhat continue too because I don't know. I haven't gone through all of them. I know Carson Trewinski as mm -hmm. uh, a as a Calgary kid played a, a one time stint with the Okotoks Oilers, but obviously more of his time with the Calgary Hitmen. So I imagine he'll have uh, a good contingent of friends and family as well. Not nearly as many as I think you're right between the the Abbotsford Calgary one, but for sure the uh, the Coachella Valley Firebirds have a couple of interesting Calgary connections. Uh, before we go. Uh, I talked about this yesterday when we were kind of getting set. We've been following up with everything Wranglers this week as we get set for the series. And uh, how interested are you to see Shane Wright again uh, at this level? Because what a year for him hmm. to be the fourth overall pick. You know, clearly I think felt as though he was a bit disrespected in that regard. Thought he maybe could have gone higher. Spent some time with the Kraken as an extra player occasionally in the lineup. Then Captain's Team Canada to the World Juniors, goes back to junior hockey, is traded to Windsor, does great in the regular season. They're out in four games. And now all of a sudden Seattle's going, well, geez, I thought you were going to be playing in the OHL playoffs for the next two months. We didn't have plans for you, so why don't you go down to Coachella Valley? And now he's only played in 16, I believe. I believe it's 8-8 eight and eight now 
uh, regular season and playoff games for Coachella Valley. Sort of an interesting piece in all of this, right? Because he hasn't been a member of Coachella Valley for very long, but he's obviously a big part of what Seattle wants to do in the future. And I think a lot of people are probably going to go and say, I don't know a ton of people on Coachella Valley, but I definitely know who Shane Wright is. And during that first stint, he actually made his pro debut versus Calgary, scored on a turnover at the center of the ice, went in on a breakaway on Dustin Wolf, kind of behind everybody. I didn't even, that was an awful call because I I don't know how he picked up the puck. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, Shane Wright has a breakaway and he scores. Yeah. Um, but I don't really, he's a wild card. I still yeah. don't know what to expect with him. He, of course, has that first round pedigree, but... I think in this kind of a situation, Dan Bilesma isn't putting the pressure on him to no. be that first liner. I think he's leaning on his Cole Linz and Alexander Trues and other experienced players to get it done. And this is a good experience for him. I mean, oh, pro- sure. professional postseason, potentially you could go on a deep run depending on how things happen in this third round. So I don't really know what we can expect from him. I've watched some of their postseason games. I He's been there. I mean, yep. I, I can't say he's been a difference maker. No, he doesn't so have far. the points to back it up. I think he's got three points in yeah. eight games. So, so yeah. I'm curious. Obviously, we know what he can do with a lot of open ice, and you want to be marking him, but I don't think he's essentially the only guy you need to be paying attention to on the ice. Coachella's a very deep team, especially in the forward ranks. So curious to see what he brings, but I don't think he'll be the story. Of course, I'm going to say that now. They'll <laughs> use it as bulletin board material, and he puts up a hat trick or something, but... You never know. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a first rounder for a reason, regardless if he fell from the first spot or not. I yeah. mean, he was in discussions to be the the first overall pick for how long? Probably long more, yeah. a season and a half, At maybe least, longer yeah. than that. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, I'm open to seeing what he can bring, but I don't think he'll be the talk of this series. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Should be great. Games one and two go tonight and tomorrow from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Yep. Uh, thank you for joining us as always, oh, Sandra. I uh, really appreciate it. Always my it. pleasure. Uh, I know you're busy on a game day, but uh, have a great call tonight and tomorrow and safe travels to uh, to California for a little bit of uh, the series when it gets down to there. And we'll uh, we'll chat with you again sometime soon, hey? My pleasure. Keep up the good work, bud. Anytime. Thank you. Yeah. Sandra Persina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, you can hear her tonight as part of the call. 7 o'clock puck drop. From the Scotiabank Saddledome, it's Game 1, Calgary Wranglers, Coachella Valley Firebirds. If you're looking for tickets, head to calgarywranglers.com. Still some great seats available. Uh, tomorrow's game, obviously, being a Friday night, uh, a little bit less ticket availability than to, uh, perhaps tonight for a Thursday game. But uh, get down there, support the Wranglers. Just another five-game series right now. So that means tonight and tomorrow, your only chance is to see them against Coachella Valley. So get out there, support the Wranglers, and uh, hey, you want to have some fun? we got uh, playoffs all around here with the Wranglers the next two nights and the Roughnecks coming up on Saturday night as well. We'll have that coverage for you uh, starting at 7 right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will come back in a minute here, kick off Hour 2 with some Calgary Flames chatter and uh, also coming up in Hour 2, our chat with Adnan Verk, our Thursday regular here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.